Second down and nine. Hey, what's up, everybody? Welcome back to the Second and Nine podcast. We're uh, hanging out with you today on uh, April 5th, actually. it's uh, It's been a, a little bit over a month since uh, we caught up with you guys. But, uh, Tony, what have you been up to uh, quarantining during this crazy time in the world? Yeah, it's been it's been insane. Uh, yeah, just holding up in the house and going to work and home, and it's pretty much uh, all there is to it, just staying away from people, trying to get what we can, trying to get as much toilet paper as I can. Uh, I have a big, like, mountain of toilet paper in my apartment, so I'm just – I'm collecting it. So, don't, don't lie. You also have a big pile of uh, – a lot of baby wipes, too. Oh, yeah. Big, Those big are pile. essential. We essential. all know. So uh, I guess oh, the thing that we're going to talk about today is uh, what the Giants are doing in the offseason, what they have done, what their prospects are potentially like for the draft, where their needs are. And uh, I think the, the first thing we'll dive into today is uh, some of the moves that they made. So uh, a couple surprising signings for the, the Giants. It seems to me like it's more so the Giants trying to make moves to not necessarily contend this year, but just fill gaps where they need to so they're not a yeah exactly put some uh, band-aids on uh, certain areas I don't think they're necessarily going to make a a huge difference Uh, luckily that these aren't long-term deals that they're signing these guys to but a couple of the notable signs that they made this uh, offseason are uh, James Bradbury the corner three years 43 and a half million dollars almost 32 million dollars guaranteed and Blake Martinez uh, another three-year deal 30 million dollars and 19 uh, guaranteed I think, granted, uh, since Alec Ogletree was one of the guys on the way out, I'm uh, actually okay with the Blake Martinez trade. I didn't realize that he was already – or the, the signing. I didn't realize that he was 30 years old already. But he's been a, a serviceable, pretty good uh, linebacker for the, for the Packers for a while. So uh, I, I think that's a perfect example of a Band-Aid where they needed to get someone in. And James Bradbury, too. Uh, I know that we had a little bit of a disagreement on um, who the Giants – could have signed uh granted for the money that they paid him do you feel that they could have gotten someone else different uh in that same type of price range that is potentially a better player yeah I mean I don't think the same price range I mean they paid him a a lot of money I would have just splurged a little bit more and went out and got Byron Jones if I was the Giants I mean but I mean I get I think Byron Jones was like a five-year deal and this is a three-year deal so I, I get where the Giants are coming from they're not it, you know, that's going for Byron Jones is more of like they 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 were trying to compete right now. Like as you were saying, like this is more of a band aid. Uh, Bradbury's solid, but you know, you're he's a good corner that you're paying to be a great corner. Um, but again, it, at least it brings some stability to the young their young secondary. I mean, DeAndre Baker and Sam Beal and you know Love from Notre Dame too. It's kind of been a safety too for them. So I mean, it, at least you bring some stability to the top of the depth chart, so you don't have to worry about you know these young rookies being exposed as, as badly I think it's gonna you know it's gonna help everybody in the, in the secondary to have uh Bradbury around and I think Blake Martinez is a big upgrade from Alec Ogletree I mean Alec Ogletree wasn't even really a great fit for the 3-4 defense in my opinion um and I think Blake Martinez fits much better he's been playing 3-4 defense his whole career with the Packers so I, I I like the moves I think they're solid and like I said like I said we're, they're giant we were talking about earlier the Giants are not really necessarily going to be competing for like the next two years they're going to be you know trying to rebuild and you know retag in the future but if they didn't sign these two guys if they didn't put some stability at those two positions that are two of their weakest positions cornerback even though they have some young talent they're still pretty weak overall at cornerback and the linebacker is another position that that they're not that strong at they'd have to really invest huge you know draft capital on those positions and they may or may not but they want the flexibility to be able to you know not be forced into having to pick let's say Isaiah Simmons 
at, you know, at four overall, if there's a better opportunity available, they can go somewhere else because at least they have Blake Martinez to cover them in the, in the short term. So, I mean, even though I do, uh, I think it's very, very smart if the Giants take Isaiah Simmons fourth overall. Yeah, and uh, before we actually transition into the, the draft conversation, I'll also note that the, the Giants brought in Cam Fleming, Austin Johnson, David Mayo. They look more so as uh, a lot of like depth signings. Yeah, it's I like average. Any, yeah. any of these guys are going to move the needle uh, potentially. And uh, yeah, it's, it's pretty much a – I would call it a bland offseason for the Giants. I, I think it can become – uh, a lot more spicy if they do bring in a guy like Simmons in the draft. Uh, so let's let's transi- transition to the draft then. So uh, you you will definitely watch more college football than I do. I don't I don't think you do you watch a, a ton of it. I don't watch a lot of the games. I usually will watch like the cut ups and there used to be a website you could watch all of it. I, I don't have that anymore. It's uh, draftbreakdown.com. It's now it's no longer there. So I haven't been able to watch the way I used to watch, but you know, I'm mostly just after the fact, you know, preparing to watch and hang out, you know, watch the draft and follow the draft. So it's not, I don't watch a lot of college football straight up though. Yeah, no, I, uh, I'm in the same boat, but uh, when I watch some of these highlight tapes, usually the, I always tell you about, talk about the eye test with you. And uh, yeah. I think in this case, watching the highlights with you uh, on Isaiah Simmons, who's a linebacker from Clemson, would fit like you have alluded to in the past, the Giants, uh, Giants three four defense. I think that I mean he's he looks like a game changing type player. He, he definitely really needs to to put a little bit of meat in his bone, a little bit more meat in his bones to be a, a linebacker in the NFL. Because uh, what did yeah. you say his measurables were at? He was about like six yeah. one, six twenty. No, I think six two two uh, thirty was something like that. The guy was saying, but yeah, I mean he looks I, like I you said you said he looked like a safety almost, like, but he's he's super athletic. Like I said, he reminds me of Hasim Reddick from. Uh, Arizona Cardinals. He's just he's super athletic. He's um he's a little slight, but he's just very like you said, very aggressive. He gets the ball, he punishes the ball well, Gary. He, he looks like a pretty pretty decent linebacker coming in. The Giants haven't had a linebacker since Antonio Pierce, maybe. I don't it's been a while. Yeah, no, no I, I, even if he's even if he has to transition away from linebacker to maybe a safety position, because if you remember, Jabril Peppers, he played linebacker in at yeah. Michigan. So it's like guys like that. He has he reminds me of Jabril Peppers a little bit in the sense that like he's super athletic and he's a hybrid from, from the highlight. Yeah, he's a hybrid type player. He looks like he's athletic enough to be able to play multiple positions. He almost looks like he, he could rush the passer. He almost looks like a like a lanky pass rusher too to me. I mean. Well, that was the most impressive part of those highlight tapes uh, for him. In closing particular. and sacks, like right? His, yeah, his closing speed is is pretty impressive, and he wraps up too. So, I mean, he's got all the different tools to to either play linebacker or, I, I mean, well, you're maybe, sold. maybe you're, a, a Landon Collins style of a of a safety, like a box safety. Yeah, I think he'll probably stick at linebacker, but I, I could see what you're saying. Um, but so you're not you're you're sold on Isaiah Simmons. Though. We're we're done with the conversation. We're boom. Put the pick in. We're we're taking Isaiah Simmons here. No, no, not necessarily. Uh, I know that you had mentioned the Jeff Okuda. Uh, how did you? How would you stack those two guys up against each other in terms I, of evaluating? I think they're both really pretty comparable prospects. I mean, they're they're both you know top top of the line defensive prospects, and I'd be happy for the Giants with either one of those picks. Well, actually, I'm a Cowboy fan, so I'd be. Mad if the Giants took either one of those. Let me put it that way. I'm hoping that they bust a pick and maybe take a, 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 a quarterback or a tackle or something just to really just make, the, make it insane for the Giants. I would love them to pull the trigger on Tua Tagalavea, even though the upside is unbelievable. <laughs> but 
It would just to attack a Levea. I would love to see the Giants do that and bring some chaos to the Giants organization. It would like it would be the Giants are becoming the new Jets now. Yeah, I think that's a little bit more of a pipe dream for you. But go go into a little bit like where Jeff uh, Okuda comes from and uh, what you what's his position and everything, and then and, and what stands out to you for him. He's got I mean he's got great ball skills. He's six two. He's like two oh five ish. He's you know he's a lanky kind of corner. Like he's got really good ball skills. He you know a lot of interceptions and he's you know he's playing the ball a lot. So you want a corner that's going to always be around the ball. And I think he's going to be a real nice corner for you. He, he just come. Almost reminds me a little bit of a. Darius Slay to me. But, I mean, who, you know, who am I? <laughs> that's, uh, yeah, that's, that's pretty high praise, though. But, uh, again, uh, when you're uh, taking uh, some of these guys in the first round, generally you're trying – especially this early in the first round, you're looking for that game-changing type player on one of the teams like Ohio State or Clemson. And like Chase the, Young. Teams that, that are like in it at the end, yeah. Like Chase Young, who the yeah. Giants could have had if they just lost one more game, right? Yeah, well, there's been a lot of debate on, on different radio stations about that, about the Giants winning that game against the Redskins where they could have been in that spot to potentially take him. Now, in our in our notes, I guess, uh, uh, you provided for this episode, you had thrown out that potential scenario of the Giants trading over Chase Young. Do you yeah. think this is something that's actually feasible? And if it is, what do you think that they would have to give up for something like that? Because it personally would- speaking, I don't think that – they, I don't think it would be worth it because I think that the Redskins are probably asked for too much. Yeah, fair and reason, yeah. I, don't, I don't think it's really a realistic scenario. It's, I agree. It probably really isn't realistic. It, it will cost you minimum your top three picks, which is the fourth overall pick, the 36th overall pick, and the 99th overall pick. And even that probably still won't get it done. Or it could also probably give them the fourth overall pick this year and next year's first round and probably, you know, maybe probably next year's second round too or second round this year. So it's a lot of picks. It's a lot of premium picks. Uh, I don't think it's worth it. The Giants have too many holes on their team that they need to fill. If anything, the Giants maybe could look to trade down like we were discussing too. There's a couple of teams that maybe would like to invest in Tua Tagovailoa, like Carolina at seven could look to trade up and get Tua. Um, Jaguars at nine, I could see doing it too. And there was another team, the Chargers, I think are at, eight or something like that so they could all I could see all these teams trying to trade up and the Giants can grab a maybe an extra second round pick um and only move back in this, a couple spots one of the reasons I wouldn't want the Giants to trade down too far is I don't really have a lot of trust in Dave Gettleman I don't think either one of us does I, uh I would prefer the less bust potentials the earlier you're picking so I would I would prefer him to stay within the top 10 but if the Giants traded back and picked up either uh, Jedrick Willis or Tristan Wolfs like a a left tackle of the future or where you can maybe cut Nate Solder this year and you just let the kid ride that's another thing we we didn't really touch on much on the free agency side Um, signing Cowboys former swing tackle Cam Fleming does give the Giants some flexibility because Cam Fleming I mean look he's not going to be great no matter where he's playing, right tackle or left tackle, but he has that flexibility where he can play both spots. So if you did need to cut ties with Nate Solder, he can, you know, fill that role, especially in case of an injury or anything like that. At least you're not completely naked at that position. You have somebody who's at least competent to play left tackle for you. So, I mean, you know, that could be a a situation where the Giants could trade back, accumulate some picks, grab one of these tackles, cut Nate Solder, save themselves an extra $9 million over what they would save. Because if the Giants cut, uh, Nate sold it this year. They save an additional 2.7 million this year and an additional 6.5 million. So it's $9.2 million that they would not save if they keep him on the books for one more season. Because if they cut him next year, they're only going to save they're only going to save 14.5 million. So it's going to it's a total of 9.2 million over two years extra the Giants can save if they cut Nate Solder this year. That's why I kind of like that 
you know, idea for them too. The Giants just have been so snake bitten at taking tackles and the decisions they've made between the signing Solder and um, drafting Flowers. It's just, it has set them back so much at the position. They really do need stability at that position. And that's what we were kind of talking about too. The Giants really need stability at a lot of different positions. They're, the Giants are really need a, a stability to outside pass rusher. They could really use a Chase Young type player. They need a number one edge rusher who can impact the game. They really could use a, you know, another safety. They could definitely – they need a, another defensive lineman. They, they, they need offensive linemen all across the board. They need at least a, one guard, a center, and, and probably two tackles. I mean, they, they really use – they can use talent all across the board. But, you know, they're going to have to pick and choose their spots of where they're going to upgrade in this draft. And, uh, yeah, like I said, I would probably either go Simmons-Okuda or try to trade back and take one of those tackles. It's probably their best options to me. Yeah, I think in, the, in terms of the tackle conversation, going back to Solder, I, I think all that rationale is legitimate, and I agree with pretty much all of it, but I think that the situation with Gettleman, he is not going to punt on that signing. I know it hasn't looked good so far. We saw what happened in the past with Eric Flowers and the Giants riding out that situation for way longer than they should have. But again, the, incorrectly, move him. To, we, we talked about it a million times. Move him to guard, and like he's a, he's been a, a fairly successful guard for the Redskins, and now he got signed by the the Dolphins to a decent yeah, size they're, contract. They're also, I think this situation is a little bit different because Nate Solder's not getting paid guard money. So yeah, no, Gettleman invested a lot of money in him, and he obviously didn't have a good first year, but. He's not going to punt on that yet. I, I can't see that happening at all. I mean, unless Gettleman was, was relieved from his duties and new regime came in and then they, they said, all right, this is, a, this is probably the right decision to make. Let's, let's go in a different direction. Let's try and you know, like draft a younger guy. Well, then that's one thing. But I, think, I don't think that Gettleman is – they're not going to punt on that pick because it, whether, whether or not the coaching staff or the ownership – disagrees with Solder being the starting left tackle right now if there was another decent option I think Dick Gettleman will be in their ear and talk talk up that situation enough uh, emphatically to say that so Nate yeah. Solder is a, he's still good we're paying him all this money we have to continue to, to ride it out with him could you see them drafting a tackle early and keeping Solder at left tackle starting Willis or Wolf's off at right tackle and then transitioning. I, I mean, another one thing I disagree with you, not disagree with, but you're saying that you, you don't see Gettleman punting. And I, I get you're saying what you're saying because Gettleman has been proven to be very stubborn in his decision-making. But at the same time, I think it's common knowledge at this point to the Giants that it's a bad, it's a bad signing and that next year at the very least, they're going to get out from under that contract. They're going to save $14 million next year. There's no way they're not going to take that savings. Like I said, it's only $2.7 million this year. That's why there's a justification not to do it. I'm saying I would take the $9 million total between the two years extra by getting rid of them right now and just cut, cut bait. And that, but I understand why they wouldn't do it if, if they don't have stability. But if you draft a guy, could you really see them drafting a, a guy really high in the draft and then not starting him at left tackle right away, starting him at right and having both? Would, would you – I can't see that. I, I Maybe I can see that. Like, I mean, think about it. In a lot of these situations where you're drafting a, like a left tackle, especially the most important offensive lineman, when you're drafting them that high, are you, is that an experiment that you're going to want to go to where he's maybe, he's definitely your future and you got a guy possibly on the way out the following year playing left tackle. Are you really going to like run him out there on right at right tackle and then completely switch him to the other side and have him, 
basically learn, learn not learn a new position necessarily, but in terms of his footwork and stuff, he's got to transition away from what he's been doing for an entire season. So I, I can't see them doing that. What I'll say is one, the Cowboys did do that with Tyron Smith. He started at right tackle, switched over to left tackle. So, I mean, I, I know people have done it. The other thing I'll say, too, is both these guys, we were just looking at those highlights of both these guys, and they were both playing right tackle. So, at the end of the day, I think they both could be left tackles long term. But they just played right tackle last season. So, being, transitioning right into the NFL to right tackle, then they'll have a full offseason the following year to, to transition to left tackle. So, I, I don't think it would be the end of the world to do it. But I just – I feel like if they did happen to sign one of these tackles, I mean, draft one of these tackles, I think it just makes perfect sense to, to incur that savings, that $9 million extra savings over two years, use that money to go, you know, extend Saquon Barkley and, 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 and lock up your, your, you know, your better players long-term so that when the Giants are ready to compete, they actually, you know, they have Saquon locked up to a, you know, a more reasonably priced deal because they used his rookie contract to extend him early. And then maybe they have him for six, seven years down the road. That's another debatable conversation, too, because, I mean, he is a running back. And the fact that we're talking about locking up Saquon Barkley in the future when the Giants really we have no idea what their future holds. I mean, if they continue to draft this poorly and sign free agents in this poor of a manner, I don't know if that's necessarily the best uh, way to go because he is a running back. Their shelf lives are short. And that's one of the reasons why the that whole debate went on for so long after that draft when they took Barkley because they took him that high. There were other potential options that they could have taken. They could have taken, like you said, your boy, Sam Darnold, or some a few of those other quarterbacks. There were other options and they went the running back route. Uh, I can understand that if you're ready to win now and you're just like a, a yeah. game changer away on offense, like a playmaker away, but the Giants are in complete rebuild mode and they're going to find themselves in a situation where they're going to need to make other signings and other like positions where they're weak. And they're going to be debating on, are we going to make other signs? Or are we going to sign Saquon Barkley to a long-term deal when, I mean, he's just going to take a beating over the, uh, over the next oh. few seasons, which it's, it is what it is. He's a running back. And that's why a lot, a lot of teams like the Patriots never spend high picks yeah. or if they do, it, they'll never spend like a, a top ten pick on them. Maybe and they won't, they won't resign the first round, and they won't resign them. They'll, they'll run them yeah. through the fir the first five years. If he, they they took Sony Michelle, I don't think they're gonna resign Sony Michelle to a second contract. They'll just use him for five years, and they'll they'll move on. They'll get another one, or they'll get a guy like Danny Woodhead on yeah. from free agency from the practice squad, and he'll be a game changer. I mean, they, yeah. it's. It's yeah, it's a, it's a debatable conversation. So I, I, mean, I, I think Saquon's a special player, though. I think it's it is different. Oh no, I, I don't I don't disagree with you there. But it, it, you have to think of the context of uh, what the team looks like, and if that's going to be the right move going forward. Because yeah. so far, he's been a game changer, and he's been showed that he has, let's be honest, a Hall of Fame type of talent. Yeah, but they're not gonna they're not winning with it at all. It was the same with Odell Beckham Jr. I mean. He was such a great talent and, and such a put up big numbers and stuff, but they, you're not winning games. So it's like if you're going to lock up a, a player like that long-term, pay him a ton of money, you got to justify it with also having or not having a bunch of holes in the rest of your lineup. Yeah. Yeah, I agree. And, and running back is kind of one of those positions where if you – if, you, if you're going to have your best player, one of your best players be a running back, you have to be pretty solid everywhere else because it's, like, and it's almost easier to, to shut a running game down, I feel like, than if you have, like, a good offensive line and good, you know, skill – even though the Giants do it, the Giants do have good skill position players. They just have no trenches. And, and it, 
you know, if you're going to have a dynamic running back also, you know, be helpful, at least have a, a decent to above average offensive line. And the Giants have not invested the resources. And when they have invested resources, they've been poor decisions, especially on the offensive line. So that's really where they're falling short, I think. Yeah. Yeah, no, I agree. We're at, so we're at the, the 20 minute mark right now. Uh, let's, uh, let's wrap it up soon. But before we do that, are there any other, I guess, I actually let's let's dive into the over under. So, okay. granted, what the Giants are built at right now, and let's say they go out, they stay at the fourth spot, they take Simmons. They take Simmons. Where do you think the Giants are going to project win wise this year? Right now, you got the DraftKings sportsbook saying six over under at six right now. Let's just let's just make believe that we're going to play a full sixteen game season with what's yeah, going on right which now. Which is very debatable, yeah. Uh, I mean, it's really – I mean, this, these numbers are set so well, aren't they? Like, I feel like it's such a push number for them. Six sounds perfect. Six sounds exactly what they're going to do. I mean, at the very least, it'll be between five and seven, right? So, it's either going to – you're just going to make or you're just going to miss it. I'm prob- I would probably lean towards under. If I'm going to ha- – if you're going to put a gun to my head and make me decide at this point, I would probably lean towards under. But, I, you know, I think they're just as likely to win six games as, as they are to win five or seven. You know what I'm saying? Like, I think it, it's going to fall in that range. Uh, I think the Giants are going to be better overall team than they were last year. It doesn't mean necessarily it's going to translate into a lot more wins, but I think they're going to be a lot better overall of a team. That's my prediction for the Giants. Yeah, for me, it's uh, I probably would lean right about at six wins. Yeah, it's really it's perfect number for them. I'd, I'd want to maybe lean the over again, but I mean I've done <laughs> that the last couple of years and it's really bit me in the ass. So. I, uh, it's so early. I'm we're not, not going to hold you to this. We're not going to hold you to this. We're going we're gonna to make another one of these when we. Uh, yeah, right. I know you just wrote down the timestamp like 21 minutes and 45 seconds. Ray said that they're going over on the six. Uh, yeah, it's it, it's kind of tough to say at this point. Uh, I I'm really interested to see how they draft because I think a guy like Simmons could make he could be a potential impact player. But uh, again, they they have to clean up a lot of things. They have to get a pass rush. And that's, yeah, I that's agree. their biggest – that's maybe their biggest weakness on the entire roster. Like they – last year, it, it was evident. They did not get any pressure on the quarterback. It was lacking. And now they have a situation where they're franchise tagging Leonard Williams when he didn't even want to come back. He wanted a yeah. test free agency. So and he's not a big sack guy situation. either. He's not a big no, sack. No, he's not. But that's a – that's – that's another negative on uh, Dave Gettleman's resume with that yeah. whole situation. I mean, look, Gettleman's drafts have been better, you know, than the Giants have had before Gettleman. I mean, this past year he did okay. I feel like he was, had a solid draft. He found Darius Slayton in the fifth round. That was a nice pick. Um, Daniel Jones, we, you know, it remains to be seen, but he looks at least like a competent quarterback. If he can, if Daniel Jones can solve his fumbling issue, he's going to be a competent quarterback in the NFL. I don't think there's really any you know, any debating that. I think he's going to be pretty good if he can just stop doing that fumbling thing. Dexter Lawrence has been solid. DeAndre Baker is kind of questionable. He's got, he's been hit or miss for the most part, but you know, he's got a lot of talent. So we'll see how, how, how the draft uh, plays out. But if you can keep picking off, you know, fifth, sixth round guys that end up being solid contributors and starters for you, then the Giants, you know, can, can get it going in the right direction. They're going to have another top pick, even though last year they kind of wasted their top pick by reaching for the quarterback when they could have gotten a more – like they could have gotten Josh Allen, who ended up going to Jacksonville, who's a really good pass rusher, is pretty much exactly what the Giants are looking for, an outside linebacker. They probably could have still gotten 
Daniel Jones at 17, if not traded up a few spots to pick up Daniel Jones. So, I mean, yeah. that's, that's those, these are the arguments that you have. I mean, you, we never, we'll never know exactly that would happen if those, if, if they would still gotten Daniel Jones, if that was their guy, but. The chatter though was that they no one was really interested in Daniel Jones that early. And that's, yeah. that's one of the toughest things about uh, having to listen to get get him and talk with his arrogance is that he, when he makes these, I guess, seemingly glaringly glaring mistakes, He's still acting like he's perfect. He's doing it right. (laughs) Well, I just, I want to hear legitimate rationale about like why the decision was made. So like, especially this Leonard Williams situation, the whole scenario of them signing him uh, with the draft pick situation, but the fact that he was going into free agency, it just didn't make any sense. And if he can come up with a legitimate rationale that Leonard Williams they spoke to him and he basically said he's in long-term. He, he's been a, a lifelong giant fan and he wants to play with for the giants long-term. If, if there was any kind of type of conversation like that or information that he had like that, then you can, you can justify it, but he can't justify some of these situations and he, he provides no rationale towards it. So it's like, who is really running this organization or, or from like a player management standpoint? It's, I, it's 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 frustrating to to see it happen, especially when there's no answers. When and the thing that doesn't make a lot of sense about it is, I just don't see if Leonard Williams was on the open market. I just don't see him resetting the market for the defensive line, and that's how he's acting as if he wants to reset the market for a defensive lineman. He's just he hasn't had that kind of production to get that. I mean, you could see what's happening with Jadavion Conner. He's not he's not setting the market for defensive end because he didn't have the production last year. He was banged up and he's had some injury injury, you know, issues in the past. What makes Leonard Williams think that he's resetting the market at, you know, at three, four defensive end. I just, I don't understand. I don't understand what his rationale is, but apparently he knew he's going to get franchised and what is it? $15 million, $16 million franchise tag this year. So you, you gave up picks. You're paying the guy top dollar at this point. He's taking up a huge chunk of cap space because like it's the same thing with Dak at this point with the Cowboys. The Cowboys can free up cap space if they extend Dak right now. Because right now the thirty whatever million dollar franchise tag that they have Dak on, the whole full thing hits their salary cap right now. If they if they come up with an extension because they're giving him a huge chunk of guaranteed money, they can extend that cap hit and they can lower his cap number for this season and free up space to sign Jadavion Clowney or anyone they want to sign, but they can't get the deal done. It's a similar thing. You know, with Leonard Williams, if they can, if the Giants can extend Leonard Williams, they'll save money in the cap this year. So it's a, it's a, it's a negative. Being on the franchise tag is not good for the player, but it's also not good for the team. The team doesn't want to be on a franchise tag either. They just do it when they need to. So, but like, it's, it doesn't make a lot of sense. I agree though. You, know, you gave up picks. You're paying him a huge amount of money. He's not that productive of a player. I feel like you could have found someone in free agency comparable to Leonard Williams for a reasonable price. So, I mean, so, so are you willing to uh, fall on the sword in this conversation and admit he was a bust? Yeah, I mean, I'm not going to go so far as to say bust. I mean, it doesn't have to be so black or white, but I agree, though. There's a lot of question marks going into that move, for sure. Okay, fair enough. Uh, everyone that's listening, All check out our Twitter handle, at Second and Nine. Uh, we'll be back again to we'll, – Tony, I guess we'll talk about the Cowboys offseason, maybe draft the prospects soon. with them. We'll probably do the Jets, too. I know that you're also in love with the Jets. They're your second favorite team. Second favorite so team. We have to talk Definitely. about them, too, unfortunately. We'll have to talk about Darnold. I'll probably criticize him, criticize Gase. I'll I think criticize Darnold, the entire Cowboys organization. Darnold top 10 this year. Darnold will be a top 10 quarterback this year. Oh, Look man, it. I'm time stamping that. Look that it. is beautiful. Thank you Look for that. It. 
Book so that's, uh, th- this is where uh, this is where <laughs> freezing cold takes just comments with the with the note taking emoji. We'll see. We'll see. We'll see. He'll be up. All there. right. Yeah, we'll uh, we'll definitely see about that. But uh, until next time, we'll uh, we'll we'll upload this onto podcast app, so you'll have it on Apple Podcasts and everywhere you can get podcasts. And uh, we'll talk to you guys next time. See you later, Tony. See you later, buddy.